Chapter Six of Carpenter's World Travels, Alaska, Our Northern Wonderland, by Frank Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Chapter Six: The Thlingets and the Haidas. The Alaskan Indians are of half a dozen different stocks. Those I have seen most in my travels in southeastern Alaska are the Thlingets, an Indian family scattered throughout the whole of this part of the country. There are four or five thousand of them, divided among a dozen or more tribes, including the Auk, the Chilkat, the Cake, the Sitka, the Stikeen, Tongas, and Yakutat. The Klukwans are Thlingets, and so are the Hunas. These people are semi-civilized, and nearly every tribe has its own church and school. And then there are the Haidas, numbering five or six hundred, and the Simsians of Metlakatla. The Athapascans, who number about 4,000, are divided into 12 tribes and may be seen all along the Yukon and Tanana rivers. The Aleuts, of whom there are about 1,500, are closely allied to the Eskimos. They live in the long island chain extending from southwestern Alaska almost to Asia and are fishers and hunters. The finely woven baskets made by their women show that they have some artistic ability. The Indians of Alaska look far more like the Chinese and Japanese than like the red men of the states. They have yellowish or light brown complexions. Their eyes are a trifle slanting and their cheekbones are as high as those of the Mongols or the inhabitants of Tibet. When they are dressed like white men, it is difficult to tell them from the Japanese who come north to work in the fish canneries. And it is a question whether they did not originally come from Asia crossing from Kamchatka in their canoes to the Aleutian Islands and making their way to the Alexander Archipelago. Bering Strait is only 50 or 60 miles wide, and there are two islands in the midst of it, so that it would have been easy for the Chukchi and other Mongolian tribes to cross over from Asia to the mainland of this continent. Some of the Indian customs here are the same as those that prevailed in Japan, before it adopted Western civilization. And it is not hard to imagine that these customs may have come down from their Mongolian ancestors. For instance, when I first visited Japan, every widow shaved her head as smooth as a billiard ball to show that she was mourning for her husband. She also stained her teeth black to make herself unattractive. The widows of the Thlingets shaved their heads the same way until the missionaries taught them better and they even painted their faces black as a sign of mourning. The black used was a watercolor, and if this were streaked with tears, it brought the widow respect because of her grief for her dead husband. Cremation is common in Japan. It was for years practiced in Alaska. The Chinese will undergo any privation to have a good funeral. The Alaskan Indians do likewise. In southeastern Alaska, I have seen many of the Thlingets, these Indians are found on the coast and in the islands of the Panhandle, their settlements extending as far north as Prince William Sound. They are the Indians best known to the tourists, and their totem poles, or tribal emblems, and coats of arms, although gradually disappearing with the advance of civilization, are still to be seen in the villages. The Thlingets always build their villages near the shore. Since nine-tenths of their support comes from fishing, they like to live right on the beach. Nearly every family has its boats, while some families even own gasoline launches. 
Their houses are usually scattered about without regard to any fixed plan. It is only lately that any of them have had gardens. In the past, the buildings were made of rude slabs and bark thrown together over pole rafters. No house had a chimney or window, and the smoke passed out through a hole in the roof. Now, most of the houses are shingle-roofed, comfortable frame dwellings with windows and chimneys. Some of them are sealed, and some are papered and painted. The Indians have become good carpenters and use modern tools. The newer buildings show some regard for sanitary requirements, and a few of their towns have plank sidewalks and electric plants. In Klukwan, the Indians have piped the water from the mountains and established a municipal water system. Klukwan is a village of the Chilkats on the Chilkat River, not far from Skagway. The town is said to be 300 years old and to have once had a population of a thousand souls. Its people were traders, exchanging dried fish and oil for furs with the Athapascans of the interior. The Chilkats are great trappers. They have divided their hunting grounds among the various families, and the hunting rights descend from generation to generation. They have been noted for their skill in the various industries. They wove blankets a century ago. They also forged copper and did beautiful carving. Much of this skill departed upon the advent of civilization, but they now make moccasins and cut out miniature totem poles and other things for the tourists. The settlement of Klukwan has a flourishing cooperative store, which is so good that it gets much trade from the whites, and it is said that the Indians come a distance of a hundred miles to buy there. The town has its men's club, which holds meetings every week when matters of town interest are discussed. The government is trying to induce these Indians to go into canning, and some canning machinery has been sent there. The school teachers advise that a sawmill be installed. They say that the boys are quick to learn carpentry, and they are now making chairs, tables, and sleds in the school shops. Recently, they began to work in sheet metal and to make airtight stoves. The work of civilization among the Indians has been promoted by both missionaries and school teachers. The missionaries came first. They established schools, industrial and otherwise, and converted the Indians to Christianity. After the missionaries came the United States Bureau of Education, which has taken charge of the natives of Alaska. Beginning with the establishment of schools in all of the villages, it has added many other kinds of social service work to its activities. The teachers are now instructing the adult Indians in sanitation and civil government. They are inducing them to establish stores and to engage in all possible self-sustaining industries. So far, the most remarkable progress has been among the Haidas, a tribe of five or six hundred Indians on Prince of Wales Island. On the government reservation there, they have built a town called Heideberg, which is perhaps the most advanced Indian community of the world. The natives have organized a cooperative trading company, paying big dividends to the stockholders. In 1911, when the settlement was first organized, the par value of a share in the Heideberg Trading Company was $10. Ten years later, the accumulation on each share, including the stock dividend and the purchase dividend each year, amounted to almost $250. The company now owns, besides its store, a sawmill, a cannery and dock, a moving picture outfit, an automobile truck, and equipment for electric lighting. Nearly every family in Heideberg 
has stock in this trading company and the people are rapidly growing well-to-do many have gasoline launches and all have comfortable homes the town elects its own officers it has a mayor and councilmen and the business of the place is transacted in english one of the first cooperative works was the building of a sidewalk there was no money in the village treasury but the young men brought in the proceeds of their season's fishing and the indian girls had a basket social two hundred and ninety dollars were realized from the food sold this bought the lumber and the men gave their labor for nothing that sidewalk is the best in southeastern alaska it is ten feet wide and more than half a mile long since then the citizens have erected a municipal dock four hundred and forty feet long with a front of fifty-five feet the cooperative store has created a hunger for business training and business methods are taught in the school the village has town meetings at which all matters of public interest are discussed and the popular vote determines what shall be done the haidas are not thlingets they belong to a different indian family and for a long time their only home seems to have been on queen charlotte island off the coast of british columbia later some of them moved to the west coast and about two hundred years ago according to their traditions they drove the thlingets out of a part of prince of wales island and settled there they have always been considered superior indians and have had the reputation of being the best painters carvers and canoe builders of southeastern alaska in the past they hollowed their canoes out of single logs of cedar and built houses of cedar beams and planks which were worked out with adz of stone at one time there were something like eight thousand of them but during our possession of alaska the number in the united states territory has never been more than six or eight hundred among the other movements to better the indians of alaska is that of school farming both children and adults are shown how to make gardens and some of the villages are growing vegetables and berries of various kinds one of the teachers reports that he has supervised the making of seventeen native gardens inside the arctic circle the government is doing all it can to improve the sanitary conditions among the indians the teachers are cleaning up the towns and the doctors and nurses of the bureau of education go from village to village and give directions for the care of the sick as well as instruction in how to keep the well healthy it is estimated that thirty percent of the natives have consumption in some form or stage and that eight percent of the deaths are due to tuberculosis of late a number of the squaws have taken to feeding their infants from the bottle since they know nothing about the preparation of this baby food many of the children come out of the nursing stage feeble and scrawny the school children are examined for trachoma adenoids and other diseases they are taught to take care of their teeth and are warned against the use of tobacco and alcohol alcohol has been the curse of the indians of alaska it is said that before the coming of the russians they knew nothing of liquor in any form but they soon acquired the art of brewing and drinking first the russian kwas and later american whiskey its sale to the indians has long been forbidden but there have always been some whites willing to make money by supplying the natives with whiskey the alaskan indians try to imitate the whites in many ways they are now dressing much the same except that they delight in brighter colors during my trip we have had a number of indian men and women with us on the steamers the other day a young squaw sat down at the table 
opposite two traveling salesmen from Seattle. As the meal went on, they noticed that the girl's orders were the same as their own. She was pretending to study the menu, but they concluded that she could not read and that this was her first experience with the white man's victuals. Thereupon, one of them ordered for his dessert a slice of custard pie and winked at his friend to do the same. The squaw in her turn gave a similar order. When the pie came, one of the traveling men seized the ketchup bottle and sprinkled a liberal allowance of hot tomato sauce over his pie. His friend followed suit and then shoved the ketchup across the table to the copper-skinned girl. She did the same, only more so. The men stopped eating to watch the agony of the Indian. The fair squaw, however, heroically finished her pie without winking, and as far as anyone could see, the joke was on the salesman. End of chapter 6